do design decisions involve value judgments? Andy Halliwell has gone and posted this question on LinkedIn as part of our redesigning D&T project and debates. I think this is a really tricky one to answer and our expert group felt that it was an important question that needed debating. Do design decisions involve value judgments? I think firstly, I'd be saying, what do you mean by a value judgment, a values judgment? And maybe in your response to Andy's question, you'll explore what you understand and what your views are of what value judgments are and then whether they actually impinge on or affect the design decisions that designers make and also that children make in D&T lessons. So do join the debate. We're always open to conversation and discussion on this. But for now, on to the next episode. This is the Talking D&T podcast, episode 79. Welcome to the Talking D&T podcast with me, Alison Hardy, a podcast for anybody interested in design and technology education, where I'll be sharing news, views, ideas and opinions about D&T. Welcome to this week's podcast. Well, I'm here this week with Claire Vickery. So Claire's uh, Head of Design and Technology. Um, she's going to talk to us a little bit in a moment about her school. We connected via social media. We've had conversations before, but we've connected via social media because she was calling for participants for her research. And frequent listeners to the podcast will know that I am really interested in anybody who's doing research about design and technology. I'm really passionate about people doing research in D&T, and I think the more people that do it, the better. So I'm really excited to have Claire on. But first of all, Claire, do you want to say hello and say who you are and where you are? So my name is Claire. I am based in the southwest of England in Somerset, and I am head of design and technology at a small rural secondary school. Um, We have design and technology specialisms um, where we teach textiles, product design, timbers, metals, etc. So is it 11 to 16 school then, Claire, or is it 11 to 18? It's 11 to 16. And so the students go on to another school if they want to do A-level design and technology? Yeah, within the town that we are located, there is a college and free secondary schools. So most pupils end up going to the local college. Um, There are some sixth form schools in towns, but they're not accessible unless people get on buses and public transport, etc. And they're a bit of a trek away. So the college mainly scoop up our year 11s once they decide to leave. Yeah, that people kind of don't realise sometimes how rural a rural secondary school is, do they? And some of those logistics, I, I taught in a rural secondary school in Lincolnshire, probably got similar situation to you. And there was just two schools in the town and one was 11 to 18 and one wasn't. And I was at the 11 to 16 and it was a grammar school situation. So the children at my school weren't going to go to the other school to do their A-levels. So they had to travel. And just logistically, it's a nightmare. So government have lovely policy ideas, don't they, about courses and options. But how are the kids going to get there? And is it do we really want them spending 45 minutes each way? Anyway, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> about education and access. So how long have you been at the school? So at this school, I'm in my fourth year there now. Um, but I actually went there as a pupil. 
So it was my own secondary school as well. Um, and I did do a bit of teacher training there as one of my placements as well. Um, so I'm quite familiar with the school. And when the role came up, I kind of jumped at the chance just because it felt like going home. It felt like where I was meant to be. Um, so, yeah, luckily I did get the role. And here I am today. Wow. I mean, I think this says something really powerful about a local school where people go back and teach. I have um, Liam Anderson, who's been on the podcast in the past. He, he similarly, like you, went, went to the school where he's now head of D&T as, as a pupil and, and then has gone back. And I just said, I think that says an awful lot about the nature of the school that people want to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really powerful for the pupils as well, because I do literally say to them, I've been sat there in that exact seat. Um, And, you know, I understand. I absolutely get, you know, the demographic of the area that we're in, etc. And I I think that's really important. I think it's really important that that teachers understand that. Anyway, so that's great to have that background, understand where you are. So tell us about your research that you're currently doing and whether you're still looking for participants. I absolutely am still looking for participants. And the research which I'm doing is looking to identify the factors that teachers of secondary education feel may have led to the decline in the design and technology GCSE numbers. So this has declined over several years. Um, And a lot of the writing and research which I have found about this has been written by academics um, and not so much from a perspective of the teacher on the ground. And it doesn't necessarily look at the feelings or the thoughts of those teachers. So this was the angle that I wanted to look at, um, the perspective of those teachers to see if this is aligned with all the research that I found in my literature review. That's really fascinating. I think that's absolutely great that you're you're taking that particular stance and, and that perspective, because you're absolutely right. As as academics, well, I count myself as one, <laughs> um, you know, we do tend to look at, for want of a better word, the bigger picture. And that's mm-hmm. not to mean that teachers are looking at the small picture and that one is better than the other. Um, in, in many ways, looking at the bigger picture and the policy is, is still an interpretation. It's my interpretation. Yeah. David Spendlove's written about this. David Barlick's has written about this. It's an interpretation of different events that are happening around. And somebody else might stand in a different position and see those events differently. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really powerful that you're you know, looking at the teacher's perspective and to see if there's any alignment. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, going forward, I'd also be really interested in other stakeholders as well. But it was important for this master's to really narrow my field as to who I was going to approach, um, because the time limit is very short to get the master's research done. Um, But I would also like to speak to primary school teachers and other stakeholders, head teachers and governors and so forth. But that would be much later down the line once this kind of phase one has been achieved. Oh, I I love how you're talking about it. Phase one. You've obviously been taking taking notes from the way I talk about my research, obviously. (laughs) Back to me, Claire. Back to me. No, no. But you're absolutely right. And I I really admire the fact that you're realising that on your master's, you know, it's kind of bound, isn't it, in a way you've. You've got a limit. You've got a time limit. 
for the dissertation, you've got a, probably a word limit, you know, mm. and, and it kind of keeps it contained. And you're seeing almost that this is this is the start before you move out and get other perspectives on this and, and add those. And you can almost see a, a graphic there, can't you, of, you know, people standing in different positions and looking in on this phenomena of the decline of D&T. Mm-hmm. So, so how are you doing getting on with recruiting people to talk to? So I've had quite a lot of response um, in terms of people really want to put their voice forward. They really want to kind of join in that debate. Um, but we still want to hear from more people. The more people we can hear from, the better, because that is going to help widen that perspective. And it will take into account the subjective opinions and thoughts of a wider population. Um, so it's really important that, you know, even if people can only give a little time, you know, half an hour, 20 minutes, or they can just, you know, send me an email or things like that with their thoughts and opinions, um, that would really be helpful. Because once we've got lots of information from people about how they feel um, we can then start to draw those connections and we can then start to group this together and think oh okay well maybe that bit of literature that does ring true for these people and then we can start to explore that further um, but at the moment it's it's kind of like filling that bucket isn't it trying to get all of the information all of the possibilities that could be out there as to why people feel the way that they do um, about the decline in design and technology Right. Okay. So let's take this as an opportunity to see if there's people listening who who might want to contact you. Mm-hmm. Is there any any voices in particular that you feel like you've not got yet, you've not heard from? Interestingly enough, the call was put out for teachers of um, secondary education um, who are teachers of design and technology. And although I have had quite a few teachers who are currently in role respond. I've had an awful lot of people um, who may have left the profession or are academics or have, you know, a higher interest in terms of research, such as, you know, the Academy Trust with, you know, 40 schools and they're the subject lead kind of thing. So it would be really great to have those teachers which just think well I'm just a teacher of Dean you're not just a teacher at all and your views are really important and that is exactly you know the views that we would encourage as well so it doesn't matter if people aren't a head of department or they haven't done a master's themselves or that because it's your personal opinions that we're after um so that is the group I think where I've had the least responses the people that maybe don't have a TLR position or that that additional kind of area of responsibility um okay so what you're looking for if I've got this right is that you're looking for classroom teachers Mm-hmm. in secondary schools that teach design and technology you don't yeah. mind how experienced they are or no. inexperienced you want them to contact you and say I've got some thoughts about this absolutely yes and it's also been really interesting because some people who have left the profession as well have contacted me which also equally is really relevant um so 
yeah, we we want all these views. And so I've had lots of people as well from um, all areas of the United Kingdom. So Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland as well, who have asked if they can take part because the original advert did ask for only teachers in England. Um, just because Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland obviously have their own qualifications. Um, so it was because the masters is quite restricted in terms of word count and time, etc. I didn't feel that I would do justice in this project by looking at the whole of the UK. So I did narrow it to just England. But equally, if you are a teacher out there in Northern Ireland, Wales or Scotland, um, I would still love to make contact with you because even if that's not initially used in phase one, we will look to develop this project further. Right, that's really great. And, and isn't it fascinating that obviously you've, you've touched a nerve that so many people have contacted you? Oh, absolutely. And the opinions can be very strong. And when I've put some adverts on social media, such as Facebook and Twitter, it has started a conversation immediately from people who have added their own comments and voiced an opinion. And that is absolutely great. However, um, Obviously, for the research project, I would love to talk to you more about that. So if you are one of those people that have put a little comment or, you know, added your view just on a post, please, please, please follow through. I did try to connect with those people, um, but please do connect with me because I would like to talk to you either on a one to one or I do have some group discussions um scheduled into the diary so you can feel free to join one of those and there is a private Facebook page as well so people can type onto that and I'm putting um, prompts on there so I put like questions which are reflecting kind of the research which I am doing to see whether people agree with that they disagree with that they'd like to add something to it etc um, so there's lots of different ways you can get involved in the project and that is really purposeful because as a full-time teacher, head of department, um, mother to three children, time is of the essence. And I absolutely know when I've looked to participate in research projects before, I kind of don't do so if I fear that it's going to eat into too much of my time or I worry that I just really can't give enough commitment to that project so the social media page is great because it literally just pops up on people's stream on their daily social media stream and it's just a quick spontaneous response they can give then um so it's not onerous it's not gonna take lots of time from you and again the interviews i scheduled them initially for half an hour an hour for a group um and if you would like further time, we can follow that up. Absolutely. But also, I appreciate workload at the moment is very high, as it always is for the teaching profession. Um, and I need to be very mindful of that. Again, I'm just loving your approach, you know, because that's all a really ethical approach that you're that you're taking there to your research about considering people's time encouraging people's voices not wanting to waste people's time mm-hmm. you know who won't be able to contribute to this research but holding on to them for future research hopefully all, all of that is is really lovely because as you as you sort of seem to be inferring that if you're posting on Facebook or Twitter and people reply 
ethically you can't you can't use those responses unless they've given you permission which is why they need to go through your website where they can sign up or or email and let you know and then you can kind of make sure that they're fully aware of what they're contributing to and and so on and have the option to 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 withdraw um from the study so yeah so what do people need to do to be able to sign up so um they need to make contact with myself so on your page for this show i think you are going to put the links aren't you of my website my email address will be on there my social media um profiles so just connect with me in one way or another it doesn't matter which whether it's on twitter or facebook or via my website or email um and i will send you the information pack which explains how you can either book onto an individual interview um a group interview or join our private forum um so the bookings are made actually through Eventbrite, so it's really easy. You just go on there, just book a time that's available to you. If there's a time that's not available, which you would like, um, please, again, just reach out to me and I will try to accommodate that as best as I can. So um, it's just about making that initial contact and then we can move that forward as people would like to um so there's no long-term commitment there's no pushing it's completely on the participants as much as they feel comfortable with so that's it's really straightforward i had i had a sneaky look at the event right i didn't sign up because i'm not a dnt teacher um <laughs> so i'm not your target audience for your participants for your research um i, I had a look at your event right and i thought it was really neat I thought it was a really neat way of recruiting people and getting people to to sign up. And such. So, yeah, I will say to people, it's really easy. Claire's given loads of options for people to, to sign up. So so you've had some interviews already? No, the first one start this week. Wow. I was going to ask for a sneaky input or idea about any findings but obviously oh. you've not interviewed anybody right no okay. so we've just um launched eventbrite and the facebook groups etc um so they are getting booked up quite quickly so do make sure you go onto that eventbrite page um and i'll try and add as many as i can because i'm really keen to hear from as many people as i can um but yeah the first one is on monday so that's very exciting um, so I'm really looking forward to that. And the interviews are, you know, not structured as in, you know, I've got a million questions to ask you. It will be very much like this conversation that you and I are having, where it will be led by the participant and we can explore what you would like to say further rather than it being led by myself. Is there a deadline for people to sign up by? Ideally, I would like to get as much data as I can within the month of October. Um, this will give me time to analyse, to then go and get further data if I need to in November and December. So for this phase one, um, I'm booking the interviews and etc. right up until the end of October now. Um, so, yeah, so the sooner the better, really. The sooner the better. Okay, I think that's really useful to know. So if people are listening to this beyond October 2021, you can yeah. be fascinated about the study, but you're not wanted as a participant for this study. 
not they might not be right for this phase one but still check out my links because obviously we might be continuing um and yeah there might be other phases hopefully of the project that's the aim anyway no that's really that's really exciting and i'm and i'm going to say publicly here i think you need to come back when you've got your analysis when you've submitted your dissertation and all of that bit's done you've got your marks back come on and and talk about what you found out and what you think it means and and if there's any action to be taken as a result of your research. I think it'll be really exciting for people to hear that afterwards. Absolutely, yes. And I will be disseminating my research as widely as I can because it's really important for the design and technology community um, and to contribute to that body of research that we have within our subject. So I would love to do that. Thank you. No, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And, and I'm a great advocate of people who want to do research about the subject and write about it. So and, and as ever, Claire, you know where I am if you want help with the writing. I've been working with a couple of different teachers um, sort of doing some sort of coaching and mentoring around writing. And I've got an event happening. So, yeah, more, more than happy to help. But it sounds like you don't need. You're absolutely flying and on fire with this. It's so exciting to hear about. So as we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to say or is are, are we there? Just connect with me. That is the main thing. As many of you as possible, there are so many schools in England. Um, and I, I did do a bit of a mail shop to some of them, but it was costing so much in postage stamps. Um, so there's so many um, that I'm sure, you know, maybe if each school has three D&T teachers, you know, that's thousands of D&T teachers, isn't it? So please, please, please do come forward um, for the sake of our kind of subject, really, just to support um, so that we can find out where things may have been, you know, gone wrong or what might have contributed to that decline so that then we can kind of work together and build it back up again. That's the aim, but, isn't it? Yeah, that is absolutely the aim. Absolutely. And and I'm, I'm just thinking, so you're probably going to be hearing views about national things that have happened as well as local, as well as classroom. Yeah. So it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be it absolutely fascinating. Amazing. Yeah, on a local level and on a national level. And so the research, hopefully it will help teachers in their schools and in their classrooms, um, but also on that wider level as well. Um, so, yeah, there's so much to do, so little time. Um, so please, please do get in contact and join in the project and get your voice heard um, because that's what we want. Excellent. So thanks ever so much, Claire, for coming on the podcast and, and talking about it, you know, and talking about it so passionately. And you're so organised. I wish I was that organised. I did my <laughs> master's. And if my master's tutors are listening, maybe they'll pass some comment. But no, you're really organised. I love the whole way you've set it up. I love the drive behind it, the way you want people's voices. You know, I, I just think it's fantastic. And I and I just think you're you're really researching something that's important and to get teachers' perspectives on, on something that's just been awful. And it, but there's loads of different reasons why. And it's going to be fascinating when you come back in 2022 and tell us what you found out. So thanks ever so much for your time today. Thank you, Alison. It's been lovely to be here. You've been listening to the Talking DT podcast with me, Alison Hardy. You can connect with me on Twitter at Hardy underscore Alison. Show notes and transcripts for each podcast episode can be found on my website, alisonhardy.work. Thanks for listening.